everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and telecom, excuse me, and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at Syringa Networks. Net. We're going to talk to Dirk Facer coming up here momentarily. Covers the Utes for the Deseret News. We'll get an update on a, a variety of things. Gordon, players coming back. Update on Morgan Scally or lack thereof. Uh, we'll talk to him a little bit about uh, the basketball program as well. So a lot of stuff to get to with Dirk. Yeah, uh, those are all really good topics. And uh, nobody, nobody better to talk to than, than that man. In fact, uh, let's waste no more time, Gordon. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. From the Deseret News, our good friend Dirk Facer. Hello, Dirk. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm impressed that I'm a special guest. You are a special <laughs> guest, Dirk. You absolutely are. You, are. you are worthy of that title, my friend. Thank you very much. I, I wish more people would agree with you, but I'll take it. <laughs> Hey Dirk, let's uh, let's start out uh, with the Morgan Scally thing. I was just telling Gordon we have um, uh, we have a lot to cover with you, but as we've uh, gotten a little bit more removed from the initial story breaking, is there any update or any vibe that you're getting from up on the hill regarding his future? You know, it's been it's been real quiet, and I've kind of uh, kind of been watching Sharif Shah's tweets uh, to see what he has to say. Uh, being a close friend of Morgan's, and when he said that, uh, I think his tweet, uh, I can pull it up here, it says, I pray we all remain patient and withhold judgment until all the facts surface. I think that's pretty good advice right now on that. There's a lot of speculation, both directions, and I think we just got to wait and see what the investigation uh, produces. And, and in the meantime, um, and we all know Morgan and uh, know that that's these remarks that he said were out of character and such. So I think we just have to be patient and uh, maybe follow Sharif's lead on this. Dirk, do you have uh, any speculation on the speculation? You know, I wish I did because, you know, I've heard both sides, you know, from people outside the program, inside the program, they've really circled the wagons and they're taking a wait and see. And, you know, in the environment that's out there now, I think uh, they don't want to take any missteps or or compromise the investigation. So I think it's it's really really tight and quiet right now. Dirk Facer from the Deseret News with us. Let's talk about preparation for the football season, Dirk. In regards to fans, um, is the plan right now a full go and then adjust if circumstances call for it, or what's the vibe around the athletic department as far as having fans at football games this fall? You know, that's kind of the plan right now is to, to proceed as if everything is going to be back to normal. Uh, I do know that they are you know, coming up with some contingency plans. I haven't heard any speculation. You know, you you see things like Ohio State announcing some of the things that, you know, they would do as far as, uh, you know, uh, social distancing and stuff. But at Rice-Eccles, that's very problematic, obviously, because of the high-season ticket base. 
and the, the lack of available seating at the stadium. I don't know if you can uh, do a social distancing thing without compromising a lot of season ticket holders and displacing a lot of people who've been loyal to the program and saying suddenly, you know, there's no room for you at the end. And I just don't see, uh, you know, how that's going to work out. And that's obviously a huge uh, issue they have to deal with. But at the moment, uh, everyone's got their fingers crossed and hoping that uh, things will be normal. However, uh, contingency plans are being made and none of them have leaked out yet. And, and believe me, I'm trying to find it. I'm the, the pesky plumber looking for the leak, and uh, we're still looking. But, you know, I think at this point everybody's hopeful. But, uh, boy, this virus doesn't seem to be going away, does it? No, and it makes me wonder, you know, we're hearing news about certain individuals on various teams, both pro and college, where there has someone test positive for COVID-19. If that were to happen at Utah, Dirk, what would, uh, what would be the effect? What would, what would be the chain that would kick in? Well, you know, they have a plan in place, you know, if someone does test positive in any sport to uh, obviously quarantine the athlete and, and get them all the help they need, you know, the, the big word up there is the safety of the student athlete comes first. And, you know, would it shut the program down? I don't think so. And it depends on how widespread it would be. Um, I think if there's a few isolated incidents, uh, incidents, they're kind of, kind of prepared for that. But uh, obviously, you know, with things like at the University of Houston where multiple athletes tested positive and stuff, you know, that can be devastating in the league. And especially, you know, if you look at the Pac-12 and Gordon, you're a, a former California resident. Uh, you know, California is kind of a different animal. I and mean, with four teams from the Pac-12 in California, uh, they're real hesitant and taking things at a slower pace there at Utah. Uh, and with good reason, because uh, that might be the one to watch to see if that really affects the football season. Because if you know, if UCLA and Cal are uh, unable to play because of the laws of the land and, and you know, with USC and Stanford being private schools, you know, it just remains to be seen. But I, I think, like you said, it maybe comes back to the same thing. Everybody's just hopeful things will work out. And, uh, you know, later this week if the NCAA announces their six-week uh preparation time, uh, you know, get a kind of a timetable in place, uh, that'll set some direction. But, you know, as of right now, with voluntary workouts, only half the Pac-12 is involved in that right now. Six of the schools have not even opened up to volunteer uh, workouts, and here we are in the middle of June. So where is Utah in that process, Dirk? Uh, do they have the majority of the team on campus doing <clears throat> voluntary stuff, or where are they at? Yeah, voluntary, they kind of... Uh, allowed the, the student athletes and the football players that uh, uh, live in the vicinity of the campus to come back and those uh, were just some out of state players like quarterback Jake Bentley and Jordan Wilmore the running back and such that uh, have lived and been in the area since March if, if you've lived in the area since March or live within I think it's an hour or 100 miles of of Salt Lake City, you're allowed to come back and do the voluntary uh, workouts right now. Next week, they're opening it up to the out-of-state players to come back. 
and then the, the week after that. By the end of the month, they hope to have the entire football team uh, at least have the opportunity to do voluntary workouts. And you know, they're being really strict up there as far as uh, interaction with other teams. They're keeping the football team is the only one that's able to work out in the weight room at the uh, Eccles Football Center. They've got the other teams kind of farmed out to different locations on campus with satellite weight rooms and stuff. They're limiting the interaction with other teams. They're uh, making people check in. They're doing temperature checks. They're testing everything. So they're, they're being very cautious and measured in this. And then at the end of the month, uh, they're going to uh, evaluate how things went. And then next month, they're going to start bringing the other teams back. So six of the teams, six sports are back right now. The rest of them will be back uh, next month if everything goes as planned. But they're taking a very measured approach. And uh, Deputy uh, Athletic Director Kyle Brendan's kind of taken the lead on this. And he's organized a committee, and they're being very, very measured and following uh, local guidelines and the Pac-12 uh, guidelines as to, as to doing this the right way, and uh, so far so good. But it's it's one day old at this point. Dirk, have you talked with any of the individual athletes about how this affects their training? Not from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint. Are they nervous about it? Is it uh, is it distracting? Has it disturbed their, their their the routines they're trying to establish? You know, I talked to the, especially the quarterbacks and the receivers because, you know, in the off season, that's the time when they're able to get their timing down and and throw the ball around and stuff. And they haven't been able to do that. And uh, you know, I was talking to the Britton Covey, and you know, he mentioned that he needed to, you know, he and Drew Lisk and some of the local guys would get together and throw the ball around. And that it's a distraction. And I think the big concern, at least with football players isn't necessarily uh, nerve-wracking to get back on campus and do that. Um, I think they're more fearful, believe it or not, of the fact that uh, the the opportunities they've lost and those receivers and quarterbacks with the timing and all that, whether they can put things together in in a short period of time. And, you know, Utah, obviously, replacing a Tyler Huntley, you know, whether it be Jake Bentley or Cam Rising or Drew Lisk, you know, they're – there's some issues there, but you know it all. It's all secondary to health. I mean, health is the bottom line, and uh, I think that I don't know what you guys think, but I, I kind of think that's got a way on everybody's mind a little bit, if not a lot. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. I think I think it is, and that's the hard part, right? Because you know this is something we haven't dealt with before, so there's not exactly protocols, right? Exactly, and you know, for old guys like me, it's like. Gosh, this is, you know, it's scary in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, uh, you see these things on Sports Center and stuff about maybe some measures that are being put in place as far as face masks that they might wear on the field and that to limit the, you know, kind of a mask-like uh, apparatus, a shield or whatever, and the different things. And, and then you wonder about fans coming to the games. I mean, there's a ton of question marks, and it's, it's the middle of June, and I believe, you know, for the season to kick off on time, they really have to uh, go to camp and, and do everything, you know, about a month from now or, you know, five weeks from now. Uh, if not, there's no way the season's going to start on time. 
Dirk Facer is with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk a little bit about the basketball program and the Caleb Lohner situation as he uh, was let out of his national letter of intent. I think a lot of us are expecting him to sign it at BYU. Can you take us behind the scenes on that, on maybe what happened and how that's being received inside the basketball program? Well, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of information other than the fact that uh, obviously, uh, you know, his father played at BYU and, you know, he committed early. But, you know, Utah has lost a lot of players uh, that have chosen to transfer in that. And I think kind of lost in the shuffle with Caleb Lohner and Booth Gotch leaving the program. Um, you know, Utah, for better or for worse, and obviously they're coming off their first losing Pac-12 season since uh, 2012-13. But overall, they've had seven straight winning seasons and you throw those first two seasons out, you know, when he replaced Jim Boylan, uh, Gordon's buddy, Gordon, Jim, <laughs> his breakfast buddy. Uh, uh, Gordon, I'd like to go to breakfast with you, too, and I'll leave my wallet at home. <laughs> okay. but, uh, you know, you, t- you throw those first two seasons out, and Larry is uh, 150 and 83, so he's won 64% of his games at Utah. You know, 150 wins in, over the last seven seasons. Really nothing to shake a stick at, but the fact that they haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 2016 is a concern and with all the players leaving. But, they, you know, they keep saying they've got a great young class, but, you know, Caleb Lohner was obviously part of that for next year. Uh, you know, that's a little devastating, but, uh, you know, I think right now, you know, and given the fact that Larry's got a, a pretty good contract and a high buyout, um, I don't think there's any danger of, uh, of them making coaching change at this time. I think they're going to ride this out and uh, and just see if he can get them back. You know, it was just uh, you know, a few years ago that Utah you know, put together a, a string of uh, five straight uh, 20-plus win seasons. And, uh, you know, the last two years they went to 17 and 14 and 16 and 15. Uh, which you know fans don't appreciate, obviously, and with good reason. And that also includes uh, you know, their 18 and 18 in their last uh, last two years in Pac-12 play, which is even a bigger concern considering Arizona and UCLA are no longer uh, you know, prominent players on the national stage. And you know, the, the conference needs to improve, but uh, Utah likewise can't finish eighth in a conference that's down. Dirk, I understand that, that uh, transfers are happening at a lot of programs around the country. Right. But but what's going on at Utah? Why? And, and each one of these guys has a different, probably a different reason for wanting to leave. But when you talk about Gotch and now this loner kid and, and others, um, they're pretty good players. Right. What's going on? Is it? Is does Larry have a personality problem he needs to adjust, or is it a matter of what is it a matter of? You know, I think it is. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think there's a variety of factors there. Now, obviously, you know, Larry is uh, kind of that of that old school mentality. You know, kind of the Rick Majerus uh, uh, disciple, Mike Montgomery. You know, and he, he has high expectations and he pushes the kids. And uh, you know, it, some people respond to it and some obviously don't. You know, I kind of look at Donnie Tillman, for example. You know, after his sophomore year, he was named the Pac-12 Sixth Man of the Year, transfers to UNLV, and now he's transferred again to New Mexico State. 
I don't know if kids are just itchy to do that, you know, and Chase Johnson, you know, going from uh, Utah to Marquette, and that didn't work out so well. So, you know, it's almost like transferring is so easy now, and the silver lining or the, the greener grass always seems to be at the neighbor's yard. And I think a lot of them are finding when they get there that they probably should have stayed at Utah and wrote things out. So I think it might be a variety of factors, but I also think that uh, that uh, some people just don't respond to uh, the, the intensity and pushing that uh, Larry does. But, you know, uh, you know, I think Larry's heart's in the right place, uh, but his approach obviously isn't accepted by uh, all of the kids. Do you know why Gotch left? You know, I don't know specifically why. I know that, you know, he – was, uh, he uh, you know fell out of favor obviously when he had an injury in the middle of the season uh, he came on strong at the end but uh, there were some hard feelings and I don't know if it was because of his injury or whatever but you know he he struggled uh, from the three-point line uh, struggled to to live up to the expectations he had now he had some great games at the end finished things off but um you know, it's really hard to say. And he, uh, you know, I haven't had the chance to talk to Booth specifically about his decision. Um, and like I said, you know, the easy answer right now, Gordon, is it was a variety of things. Huh. Dirk Facer with us uh, from the Deseret News. And Dirk, you've been covering the University of Utah for a long time now. And I want to take Forever. you back, yeah. take you back ten years, because ten years ago tomorrow is when the announcement was made that Utah would be joining the Pac-12, and of course, meaning this is the ten-year anniversary of pretty much, I would say, one of the wildest two weeks I've had in this particular career. I mean, you you think of all the the rumors you remember, Dirk, and all the behind-the-scenes stuff going on, and what had to happen for Utah to be included. Take us back a, a little bit, uh, and what you remember covering those few weeks leading up to that big announcement? It was crazy. You know, I remember uh, sitting at my kitchen table and I had uh, my laptop up, my iPad, my phone. I think I had one of my kids' computers up. I was monitoring all these different things, uh, seeing what was happening. And ironically, if I remember right, the big news came out of Las Vegas. Uh, And I don't know if Craig Thompson had talked to the – UNLV beat writer, but that that seemed to be the most reliable source when this all went down was, you know, the guys in Las Vegas seemed to know, and, and I think that leak came from the Mountain West office, but those were crazy times, and, uh, you know, it, it was almost hard to believe that uh, the Pac-12, you know, after uh, treating Utah and BYU kind of like, you know, Western uh, versions of uh, – the redheaded stepchild accepted Utah, and obviously things fell into place with Texas and Oklahoma and those schools deciding to stay in the uh, Big 12. But uh, boy, what a what a thing that worked out for Utah, and uh, you know things have been great, other than the fact that the the conference really hasn't lived up to its expectation, especially in basketball. So, what do you think the future is of Utah sports? You think it's a is it a good time to buy, or is it a time to sell, or what are you feeling? Well, I think it's a good time to buy. You know, you know, Utah is doing everything uh, fiscally. You know, they're being very responsible. I did a story on the Rice Eccles Stadium project, and you know, and the donations and and how they're paying for it. Uh, 
is very measured. A lot of people thought the stadium should be expanded to 60-plus, whatever, and, and that's not going to be the case. You know, they're adding some seats, but they're kind of buying in on the, the luxury suites and the premium seating, and uh, they think that's the way to go right now. And then, you know, you you guys have been up to the Huntsman Center. They use the curtain now to kind of uh, reduce the capacity because, you know, 15,000-seat arenas in college basketball are – are increasingly rare these days because uh, you know there's just they just don't sell the tickets like they used to and obviously there's places exceptions like Kentucky and such and uh, that do that but you know I think it's a good time to buy in basketball you know that one's a hard one to gather because obviously they've had a lot of personnel changes and all that but uh, you know you got to wonder if the consistency of you know, seven straight winning seasons will will ultimately get them back to where they were in 2016. But uh, you know, the next year or two will be critical because they're going to have a very young team, and if the talent's there, um, there'll be some improvement. But uh, they need to climb back into that upper echelon, especially when the league's down, because you have to figure Arizona and UCLA will find a way. Uh, to get back on uh, on top because that's a big financial resource for them to have successful basketball programs. And so, you know, it just remains to be seen. But I would say uh, it's safe to buy football, basketball. I'd be a little leery, but, uh, you know, um, right now everything seems to be positive and we'll just see how it goes. But, uh, you know, they say uh, – you got to have faith, brother, and I think that might be the advice for Utah fans. Is, you know, if you have faith in your program, buy. But uh, you know, there's some there's some question marks, obviously, in basketball. Before we let you go, Dirk, for those uh, folks out there who don't know, Dirk's son Austin was uh, on our staff for a while. How is our boy Bert? Uh, this COVID nineteen can't be good for his love life. <laughs> you know, he's good. You know, he works for the AAU in uh, Orlando, Florida, and. Uh, I had to put the Florida in there in case people didn't know where Orlando was. <laughs> Thank you. I think Orlando's been in the news, if I, I remember think. right. Yeah, right. Something about the but, sports uh, and all that. He, they treated him real well. They allowed him to come home, and he spent about two months here working uh, from home and, and living in my basement and eating my food and uh, <laughs> driving my car around. And yeah. uh, he went back last week because they reopened their office. Awesome. Awesome. And he's adjusting. So he's doing well. I appreciate you asking. And he, he really enjoyed his time at 1280. And, uh, you know, he's doing well. And thanks for asking. Well, he did a great job for us. Just don't tell him that. I won't. Okay. It, it goes to his Good. head. You know how spacer boys are. <laughs> well, well I, I was I was very kind to Austin. Uh, to Jake, not so much. Hey. Um, <laughs> you know what? He said you guys all treated him great. And. And it was really a positive experience, and it came in a time when, when he needed that. So I, I thank you guys. Well, hey, yeah, seriously, give him our best. Our pleasure. Excited yeah. that he's he's back down there doing his thing. That's great. It is. You know, he's a little, uh, little isolated out there, but uh, I think once uh, Disney World reopens and the NBA gets going, uh, you know, maybe there'll be some energy down there. But, you uh, know, uh, that flight to Orlando is just, a killer for me you know i'd like to go visit him every once in a while but i hate long flights so he can come home them. he can come visit you dirk he can come visit me or jet blue needs to reestablish their midnight flight to orlando because then i can sleep on the way there but uh, 
You know, he's, he's having fun. You know what? Bert seems kind of like a bus type of guy. Tell him, tell him to get his greyhound <laughs> on. Ooh. What do you think that bus ride from Orlando? Do you think about three days or and eight dollars, yeah. yeah. <laughs> something like that? It, it, you uh, could you tell him it's an adventure. You know, it's a Jack, it's a, a Jack Kerouac kind of thing. He'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, he'll call me from from a truck stop in Mississippi or uh, Alabama and say, "Dad, I need twenty bucks so I can eat or something." You know, <laughs> he'll get you one way or another. <laughs> Yeah, you know where I work. I don't have twenty dollars. <laughs> oh man, hey Dirk, you're the best. Thanks for updating us on all this stuff. Keep up the good work, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. You guys are the best. Thank you much. Thank you, Dirk. Our friend Dirk Facer from the Deseret News. And yeah, we uh, Austin did a good job for us, but we did give him the nickname Bert, and we did tease him a little bit. That did happen. Didn't you line up a date we for him? We did line up a date for him on the on the big show. I think, in I fact, thought, I think I Dirk that, was involved that, with that. I think yeah, so. Yeah, there was some real promise to that. Whatever happened? We, we ever, never heard. I think he went out on the date. That's that's the last. I thought that he actually oh. did it, but I, I I guess sparks didn't fly. I don't know. Well, we can only we can only do so much. At right. some point, he has to flap his wings from there. We're just opening the door. He didn't you know? follow her to Orlando, did he? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know for sure. But that was funny. I do, I do remember that. We were lining Bird up with a date. And we did and there succeed. Were, there were, yeah, there were, some, there were some real interests there. There was. Uh, there were, was there were some qualified candidates. Oh, the candidates. Uh, <laughs> Austin had no business taking some of those, uh, those, some of those prospects out. Didn't they have, like, all advanced degrees and uh, established careers and all that stuff? Yeah, there was some. I, I think the one that he made the connection with was like Miss Teen Utah or something at one point. <laughs> not currently. Let's, right, I not, mean bad. Not yeah. currently. Oh, let's, thanks let's, for clarifying that. Well, the way you put it, I just didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's gonna, what I meant. Are we all going to get thrown in jail? That is not. Gall. <laughs> I'm sorry. I felt like we needed to clear that up. Please. Oh, I felt that was very, very important. All right. Stay stay tuned. We'll get that up at 1280thezone.com. If you only caught a portion of it, we'll make sure to get that up for your consumption. We'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bright light said it's going to set my soul, going to set my soul on fire. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn, so get those stakes up higher. There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there. They're all living the devil may care. And I am just a devil with love and spare. So Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. This one goes out to Steve on a total request Tuesday. Your requests about gambling. Bring them on. Uh, we started off the show talking about gambling. I don't even know how we got in there. How do how do we talk? How do we start talking about uh, sports gambling? Beats me. It just happens. Some off know. the wall thing Gordon brought up. I'm sure. Gordon, you just, were saying you don't bet on sports, but something about how we don't bet and you we can't bet in Utah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Even though uh, you do bet on sports, and then you made ten dollars off don't. a nickel machine in Atlantic City once. I literally cannot remember the last time I bet on sports. I have, I have entered NCAA uh, tournament brackets at times, but uh, you know what? I and I don't know. Gambler. 
I don't know if it matters because this just uh, this is probably my overall self-importance. But I I have no problem uh, putting a bet down when I'm somewhere where it's legal. I don't do an app or anything like that. But if I'm in Vegas, like I've been in Vegas during the NCAA tournament before. And uh, it's been fun to put some money on games or, or whatnot. But I've never done it on a school uh, bet on a school that I cover or a team that I cover oh. here locally. I don't know if that's just a, a, a ridiculous line to draw or if it even matters. But that's just always been my policy. Like, or, say, putting a dinner on the BYU-Wisconsin game? Oh, that we yeah we did that as well. You know the the there was a it was a final four game. I don't know if it was the finals, but it was Duke UConn, and it was JJ Reddick's Duke team against. Oh, why is my um, the big guy for UConn who went second in the draft behind Dwight Howard, played for the the Charlotte Bobcats uh, forever. No. Um, <laughs> Sheen the beat. That's not helpful. <laughs> he played at UConn. Uh, did he play at UConn? Yeah. Who am I thinking of, Gordon? Played in the I, league I for know. a long time. He was a big guy. Played for the Hornets. Behind Dwight Howard? Uh, was picked second. Oh. Man, I, I don't know. His name, I swear, it starts with an O. But anyway. Greg Carlson. Uh, J.J. Redick, actually. I had money on Duke, and UConn actually won, but the spread was like four and J.J. Redick hit a meaningless three-quarter court shot at the end of the buzzer, just kind of like, oh, here it goes. You know, this isn't going to win. But it went in, and Duke covered. Huh? It was like a meaningless, Oh, you mean a Mecca Okafor. A Mecca Okafor. Oh, Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Jeez, I could remember where he went in the draft and for then crying out loud, and I can't remember his name. His UConn teammate, Ben Gordon, went third. There you go. Anyway, they beat Duke. It was either the Final Four or the Finals. You I know who went fourth that year? Who's that? Sean Livingston. How about that? See, that doesn't feel like that long ago to me, but that was a long time ago. You know who went eighth that year? Huh. Hafa Arujo. Our boy Hafa to the Raptors. Wow. Hmm. You know, he's a, he's an interesting case on how priorities have changed for drafting teams. Like, wingspan was not a big deal back then. Remember where Hafa had issues with wingspan? And now wingspan is one of the first things that they look at for uh, physical attributes for a draftable player. Kirk Snyder and Chris Humphreys were I the remember Jazz that. double first-round picks. At yep. And didn't they make a trade like with Dallas for Pavel Podklazine where they drafted Podklazine and traded him to Dallas? Because he was like Baby Shaq was his <laughs> nickname. Pavel Pavel what? Pavel Podklazine, I think, was his name. I don't see anything. Oh, here we go. Yeah. 21st overall. Pavel Podklazine. Wow. How do you know that? And I can't remember a Mecca Okafor's name. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to tell you. You know, one was a, a national champion at UConn who went second in the draft, and uh, had a like a ten year NBA career. Pavel played a career six games, <laughs> averaged point seven points, and a minus point one win share. Really had an impact on you, huh, Jake? He did. Did his storied career. Five games as a rookie, one game the next year, and that was that. And that was it. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, a Mecca Okafor, that name comes and goes for some reason. My, if I ever have a fantasy football team again, it's going to be named Pavel Podkulzy. <laughs> Baby Shaq. That's <laughs> Baby that Shaq. You got to make sure you spell it right. Why? No one will ever know yeah, if I'm spelling it right. <laughs> but you know what? What is interesting about him is that was still back in the era where the whole NBA was drafting just to go against Shaq. Like any big dude that. You mean the, the guy who you believe is not skilled? 
Well, he wasn't, but he was dominant. Everyone was drafting to beat the one guy that's not skilled. He was dominant, not skilled. Stop. Do we have to explain the difference between this? Dominant is dominant. Dominant is not skilled. Okay. But if you were going to think of any one position where that really doesn't matter, it's at the center position. Exactly. Especially when you were as dominant as he was. He was dominant. Yeah. If he was so dominant, then who cares about the rest of it? Exactly. But don't call him skilled because that's not true. He was very skilled. No, he was not. He was dominant. This is maddening. You and, you and Rob Manfred. He couldn't hit a shot from outside of five Maddening. feet. Skilled. He was terrific. Give me a break. Greatest center in the history of the game. Look at that free throw. That is not skill, sir. Look how many points he scored. The whole You just said the whole league was drafting to beat him. Because he was dominant. Because he was skilled. Because he was a giant. <laughs> His skills dominated. Negative. He was also blessed to be very large. You can't extremely teach large, size. Extremely large and athletic. And not skilled. And so, therefore, he obviously was not good at basketball. No, he was not. They Stop did not it. have skills playing basketball. Tell me more about Pavel Podkolzin. Well, they drafted him because he was... Uh, <laughs> Things you know about. He was giant, but I don't think he had the athletic skills that, that Shaq possessed. All Thus, right. not a dominant mm-hmm. basketball player. Mm-hmm. Only human on earth that thinks this. Oh, well. I thought you were going to be constructive today. On Earth, who's right? Well, that went out the window now, didn't it? Clearly. What does it matter? It doesn't. Well, I could say that about anything you say. Why are you getting so. Why does sports radio matter? No, I mean, just why. This is what we do. We yell at each other over things that ultimately (laughs) don't matter. That's the gig. Oh, thanks for informing me. I appreciate that. All right, but my point as it pertains to Shaq is that if you can't stop him, then who cares by what means he's being so effective? And thus, the league was drafting people to try and stop him. (laughs) But he's not good. (laughs) He's not skilled. No, he's not good at basketball. He's he's just giant and athletic. Well, (laughs) Jake, you're getting too hung up on it, man. I'm the one getting hung up in this conversation. Wait, hold yeah. the phone. How no, am I right. the one getting hung up in this conversation? It's everybody else's fault. Gordon. If anything, I've been <laughs> extraordinarily consistent. I'd agree with you, Gordon, but then we'd both be right. Mm. All right, we've got the Not Sports Court coming up next. Bowler is going to join us coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, so we'll ask Bowler his thoughts on the latest in the NBA and uh, returning to action and uh, some of the players' objections, and we'll get Bowler's thoughts as we slowly make progress towards the return, Gordon. And if anything, really, we have plenty of time to figure this stuff out. Yeah, we're going to find out from Bowler who he thinks on the Jazz is dominant, who is skilled, and who is unskilled. Are we? Is that what we're going to do? Is that, I mean, is, that big, is that what you're going to lead with? It's such a big deal. we got to find these things out. Going to lead with that? Okay. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our good friend from the cabins at Bear River Lodge. He is Roger on with us on the big show. Check him out, bearriverlodge.com. Roger, let's, uh, let's help our listeners out here. I can't encourage our listeners enough to just get up there and experience what the cabins at Bear River Lodge have to offer. Yeah, we just want people to come up and find out what it's like to own a share in a cabin. If you've dreamed about having a cabin in the mountains, but you don't have all the money to buy it, or you don't want to deal with all the headaches and hassles, we've got the answer. Our shared cabin ownership program 
allows you to buy a share in a particular cabin at a fraction of the cost and none of the hassle. So people need to come check it out. You know, one of the things I like so much about it, Roger, when I came to visit was it was so close. You just basically drive to Evanston and turn right on that Mere Lake Highway, and it's just a few miles up the road. Uh, what, around 20, something like that? I mean, it's it's so unbelievably easy to get to. And uh, for that short amount of time investment, it was amazing. It felt like I was in a, in a different world. It was just beautiful and quiet and just so opposite of the hustle and bustle of normal life. Yeah, you know, we're on the north slope of the Uintas. We're right on the Mirror Lake Scenic Byway. And I tell people all the time, it's one right-hand turn from Salt Lake. Just hop on I-80, go to Evanston, turn right on the Mirror Lake Highway, and you come out right to us. So it's easy to get to. We're open year-round. They shut the gate to the National Forest in the winter so we can go snowmobiling and snow biking. And it's just awesome. Our location is just wonderful. Overlooking the Bear River next to the National Forest on the federally registered scenic byway and we're right close to salt lake so people need to get up here and enjoy it you know roger i could see gordon uh, melting his face as he's screaming across the snow on one of those snow bikes what do you think yeah we need to get him up here this winter it'll be fun what do you think gordon you can get behind that it sounds good to me let's, yeah. let's make that happen right. uh, but, I, don't, I don't know about the melting my face off but uh, <laughs> it might improve my looks uh, <laughs> we want to encourage everybody. Listen, this is a great deal. Go to BearRiverLodge.com. Take advantage of that $99 stay. But the idea is to get up there, find out for yourself what an exciting opportunity this is. We appreciate you jumping on with us, Roger. Great. Thanks, guys. All right. That's our friend Roger from the Cabins at Bear River Lodge. Absolutely a blast. Not that far away. Again, just go up to Evanston and basically turn right. It's so easy. But check it out online, BearRiverLodge.com. That's BearRiverLodge.com. The Not Sports Report is coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. goes out to Kevin on a total request Tuesday, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is this Juice? It's your girl, Gordon. Well, she certainly was nice to me. I like this song. Wait, is it nice to you? Of course she, she was nice to you. Didn't you date? No, no, we didn't date. She was married at the time I knew her. And uh, she taught me how to swing a... Uh, pretty solid polo mallet so no dating then no oh okay no. Oh, i was confused she taught you how to what she taught me how to play polo <laughs> better said <laughs> all right it's time for the not sports sport brought to you by the lhm used car supermarket over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory shop online lhm gordon where are we going today we're going uh we're going into the bathroom Yay. Terrific. This is serious business here. So I want you to listen up because this is important. Physicists specializing in fluid dynamics are warning now about the transmission method following studies, which have found that the coronavirus particles surviving in the feces of the infected 
can be spread by that flushing of the toilet. Yay. According to researchers, flushing things down the toilet uh, doesn't uh, necessarily mean that they are simply leaving the premises. No. Instead, the enormous turbulence caused by the flushing water can spread bacteria and viruses and uh, not only, say, up into the uh, the the nose of, of whoever's in there, uh, but also uh, to onto the surfaces around the toilet. You don't be flushing anybody's remains down the toilet. Now, uh, you know, this was an exhaustive study done at uh, at a university over in China, and uh, Dr. Wang was the co-author, and he said uh, it's virtually impossible to keep bathrooms sanitized all the time, and that sharing a toilet may be unavoidable, especially for, like, family members, uh, even when only one person in the household might be sick. And so this is this is a real problem because I don't know any other alternative Dr. Wang said it's very alarming. Hmm. And so I, it, what are you supposed to do? Are you asking me? Yeah. Are uh, you spo- are you I'm, supposed I'm to- going to stop going to the bathroom now, I guess. <laughs> I I, do, we, uh, do we all need to, like, designate one, one toilet that's ours and ours See, only? When you come out of those up-tempo... <laughs> numbers man it's impossible to make those transitions apparently uh the there are particles in the aerosol that's in a bathroom that 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 uh float up uh like uh three feet over the toilet you know they do this to me all the time i don't know what they do it for but we can't come out of a slow record I- and as you know uh many bathrooms public bathrooms are not that well ventilated you know so they can linger longer. And I got to talk about a dog dying. In the area around the toilet. This so is my, bad. So my advice would be, this is coming from, you know, uh, experts. So? Do so, people want to hear this stuff? Well, yeah. No. Yes, they have to be careful. Because as, as it said here in this study that, you know, it doesn't just leave the premises. It lingers. So you're recommending our listeners don't use the same restroom their family uses, because that's what I'm hearing. Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't I, think that's real realistic. Well, maybe we have to scrub the, the toilets down between usage. You know? I'll do it when you do it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just don't know. This is the but, sports report, huh? This is important. You got anything else? No, this is important for, for our listeners to know this. Don't you think? They can I mean, look they, this stuff up on their own time with their doctor. <laughs> this is supposed to be merriment and fun. I mean, and don't we have enough on our minds? Now we're telling people Jeez. not to go to the bathroom. I mean, I, I don't know, Gordon. There's nothing I, sacred. I actually do not find that very helpful. If you're asking if our listeners find that helpful, well, I, think- I being a consumer of the Not Sports Report, I do not find that helpful, no. But, but are you ignorance is bliss? Yep. I'm not going to stop going to the bathroom, and I'm certainly not going to divide the bathrooms in my house amongst my family. So if that's what you're advocating for, then yeah, I, ignorance is bliss. I'm not doing it. Well, I, I, I don't think you need to do that. And, I'm, I'm, and Austin and I are here in the studio where we have to, you know, work. So what would you expect uh, us to do? 
So since I have no other alternative, I choose to not acknowledge this. Yes. Well, do you have some sort of like cleaner on hand that you could spray down the area? Uh, you know, because apparently it's being spread from whoever used it last to the next person. No, I'm not. Oh man. These are little bit particles that float up in the aerosol. Stop. <laughs> so bowlers next. Unless he heard so, this. No, this. <laughs> I think maybe you should. Maybe if you're going to use a public bathroom, you should carry around a can of Lysol or something. That's diapers for me from here on out. And, and by the way, have have you noticed how easy it is to find Lysol these days? So I haven't so, seen a bottle in months. So here, let's let's tell our listeners: Hey, go into the bathroom may kill you, but the good news is that you can't find Gordon's solution to the problem. I'm just saying, you know, it's better to be aware and paranoid than it is not to be aware at all. Fun. You know, have you ever noticed how some people are really touchy in the bathroom? I mean, they touch everything without worrying about it. I, I'm, I'm pretty particular about what I touch in the bathroom. I, I don't want to just be touching what other people have been touching. <laughs> no, geez. All right. Well, I'm I'm done. Uh, we've got Bowler coming up next. Is that it? For, like, that, can we be done always? Well, that's it for, for me. Um, <laughs> you guys can't handle the truth here. I, I'm just saying that we need, to be, we need to be careful. <laughs> what do you mean? This is important. Oh, we were laughing. We were having a good time. <laughs> Bowler's coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.